Hello, I'm Diana Green, the Bard of Hudson, and welcome to season two. More stories, more connections, more adventures. Happily divorced and parenting two amazing humans, I set out to discover why this life is worth living and what the heck I was meant to do with the time that was given to me. My hope is to remind you, inspire you, and connect with you here and in person. And to that end, please, please share, rate, and review wherever you're listening to the podcast and join my Patreon. You can find me at patreon.com slash dianathebard. In the end, human connection is all we have. Enjoy. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show and welcome to our mutual virtual space. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here with you guys and for everybody who's celebrating today, Merry Christmas and Happy Kwanzaa coming up and all those wonderful things. I wish you love and light and food and joy and happy, happy friends and family around you. I hope so. Well, I am now in my son's apartment house sitting for him and taking care of his kittens and one of them just started crunching away on the cat food so you know there might be some fun different sounds coming out of the woodwork here who knows it's always a process <laughs> but I'm grateful to be able to be here with them because I miss these kitties and it's gonna be so nice to sleep with them it'll be really great and I get a break from my mom's house for a little while. That's good because tensions are high. There's lots of things going on for Christmas. Oh, yes. And so many things to cook. And oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. So I thought I would dip back again into one of the older episodes, but I've uh, completely revamped it a bit to tell you about our Christmas Eve celebrations when I was a child and a teenager and a young adult. So here is episode 84, somewhat rewritten and updated, and I hope you enjoy it. When I was young, we used to travel to Brooklyn, and I mean travel. It was a long journey from Rockland County, from Palisades, to go all the way into Brooklyn, and it still is. But even then, with even less traffic, it was pretty onerous. But it was a tradition that we would go and visit my grandmother's youngest sister, Jean, and her husband, Manning, at their townhouse in Brooklyn in Carroll Gardens. They owned the whole brownstone, top to bottom, and to us, it was an enchanting and very exotic thing to do when we were growing up. There was the whole front stoop culture, where we could go out and play on the stairs and out in the streets, and the adults didn't seem to mind and trusted us to be out on the street playing by ourselves without supervision. One of our favorite games was Kick the Can, which we would play after dinner for a long time, lit up by only the street lights and by the Christmas lights on everyone's doorstep. Christmas was magical in Brooklyn, at least in the part where they lived, because all of the houses were decked out and lit up to the nines. It was like a fairyland to go there. Aunt Jean and Manning had a specific Christmas Eve dinner that they shared with us every year, which started with Yorkshire pudding. My Uncle Manning would be cooking this stuff and mixing it up all day or something. I've never even tried to make it, so I'm not actually sure how it's made, but it looked complicated. He would be making it every year, and it was delicious and melted in your mouth. Oh my goodness, so good. 
And there was usually a big ham, maybe, or some other kind of roast. I don't remember. But it was lavish and delicious and, and extensive. Manning would be in the basement in the big kitchen cooking, and then we would all carry up the various dishes up to the living room and the dining room area. And then everyone would grab a plate and spread out all over where there were little tables or coffee tables to eat, making the best of it since the, there really wasn't a big enough dining table. I'm a big fan of those kind of house parties where everyone is kind of smushed in together and draped all over the furniture. And Christmas Eve at Aunt Jean's was one such party just like that, which we looked forward to every year because we got to see the other sides of the family that we didn't normally see. Aunt Jean had two children of her own, Susie and Danny. Susie was married to Steve and Danny married to Karen, and they had four kids between them. And Manning had another daughter whose name was Arabella, and she was around our age as well. So she hung out with us, and we got to know her a little bit from spending holiday times with her. So we had this much expanded gaggle of children that was really fun, and we played board games, and we played kick the can, and we just had a wonderful evening all together. I remember one incredibly controversial time that happened between a couple of the adults. Steve, Susie's husband, who was very jolly and fun most of the time, somehow got into a huge argument with my Uncle Jim. I say somehow, but Uncle Jim was very argumentative. But he reacted very badly because they ended up throwing guacamole across the room at each other. It was very shocking to see grown men have a food fight, but also pretty funny. <laughs> In any case, it was a wonderful pilgrimage to go to Brooklyn to celebrate Christmas Eve with a huge extended family and a brownstone. It was an adventure for me. And then as we got older, things changed and we didn't go there on Christmas Eve when I was a teenager. I think my mom just thought it was such a long trip. And by the time we got home, it was like two o'clock in the morning. It was just too much. So we stopped doing it. You know, traditions change as people age and the family shifts generations. After my grandmother died and we no longer had her house, that was a big loss. My grandmother was the true matriarch of our family and the hub around which we all gathered. After she died, my aunt and my mom shared that position and split up the holiday hosting duties. My aunt took over the Christmas Eve dinner and my mom does Christmas Day. I often wonder what it would have been like if we hadn't lost my grandmother's house when we lost her. I learned later that she had intended to leave it to me and that the lawyer talked her out of it. I will never forgive him for that. I would have been so happy to have carried on that role. I love to entertain and gather community around me. I love to see all the faces around a dining table and know that we all brought that food together and we are all sharing and making memories. I live for those moments, though I most often find them among friends and not necessarily family, but that's okay. Those experiences make me deeply happy. I would have relished continuing those traditions for my family, but that is not meant to be. So... Christmas Eve has traditionally been at my Aunt Marina's since my grandmother died. And it was decided, since we have so many vegetarians in the family, or pescatarians at least, that we would revert to the traditional Italian Christmas Eve dinner and have a fish-based thing. So my aunt started making this delicious Italian fish stew called Chopino. 
She was such a good cook back in the day. Chopino has swordfish in it and shrimp and scallops, and it's in a red sauce base, and you pour it over rice. So Chopino became the tradition that we all looked forward to eagerly on Christmas Eve. In fact, my kids, as they grew older and had to choose between coming to my house or going to their dad's for each evening of the Christmas celebrations, they based their decision-making on this fish stew, saying that they'd spend Christmas Eve with me and Christmas Day with Dave. I'm telling you, that chopino is truly delectable. One year, somehow my aunt overestimated the guest list, and she made much more than enough, and she actually had a large amount of chopino left over. My brother was very psyched, and he loaded some up to take home, but he put it in some kind of rickety Tupperware, and then two things happened. The top was not put on properly, and secondly... He put it on the stairs at my aunt's house, which are close to the front door, but they are open stairs that don't have risers, but they're completely open between steps. As someone was getting their coat and stuff, they knocked that chopino into the stairs that go below the main set of stairs down into the basement. And it was one of those terrible moments when you're watching something bad happen in slow motion and you're powerless to stop it. Ah! The container catapulted down the stairs and the top burst off and the red stew just ricocheted off all the walls. It hit every single surface on its way down. It looked like a murder had been committed in the hall there. It was absolutely gruesome, and the cleanup was unbelievable. It took so long, and it took professional carpet cleaners to come down into the basement and take out the blood stains. I mean, the tomato sauce stains. So that was very sad and uh, pretty disgusting. But Christmas Eve at my aunt's had other traditions as well. My Uncle Jim used to make killer martinis for everyone and anyone who wanted them. And sometimes that made for a very raucous Christmas Eve when people had too many martinis because they didn't heed his warning. Uncle Jim would say that martinis are like breasts. One is too few and three are too many. But not everyone listened. And the number of martinis that you consumed would often be the deciding factor as to whether or not you would be attending Midnight Mass at the end of the evening. Midnight Mass was the last item on our agenda on Christmas Eve, and we would all walk over to the little church in our neighborhood. On this night, our little church was at its best. The hole inside of the sanctuary is teak or some kind of dark, warm wood, and up above the altar there's a small, round, stained glass window that's a little cherub with little angel wings and it's lit up from behind so you feel the warmth of the wood and the soft lighting everywhere there are wooden pews with deep red velvet cushions after all you know presbyterians have to be comfortable it's not like the hard wooden benches in catholic churches <laughs> and then at the back of the room there's this magnificent organ made out of brass which just gleams. It's beautiful. So there is a sense of light being captured in this space, and Christmas Eve is the perfect time to see it in all its glory, because usually you don't go to church at night. 
My aunt would leave dinner early because she sang in the choir, and she had to go and get on her robe and have a last little bit of practice. My mom went with her because she absolutely had to save the front row pews. Now, one year, that became problematic. Well, it's also a weird thing to be sitting all the way in front because everybody's looking towards the altar and they can always see you, so you have to be a model of good behavior. In fact, this one year, my daughter Savannah decided to come to Midnight Mass even though she had not heeded the martini warning. She was quite, quite tipsy, and she fell asleep in the middle of the service with her head lolling over onto my son, who was fiercely annoyed about this. And at one point, she startled awake and uttered forth the phrase, Does anybody really believe this shit? We were mortified, because obviously that was heard by the choir members who were sitting right in front of her, if not by many other people. It was deeply embarrassing and not one of her finer moments, but we laugh about it now. Another year, I shook up the evening a bit too. The ministers often invite lay people to do some of the readings and usually it should be all of those great stories about how the little family traveled by donkey and all of that stuff, you know, the Christmas birth story. But this one year, I was invited to read, and I was like, oh, how wonderful, yes, thank you, sure, I'd love to do that. Unfortunately, I was given the piece of the text from Genesis with the snake and Eve, which, first of all, is not a feminist text at all, and that pissed me off. So I was like, Really? Oh, er, okay. So I took this text and I read it as an actor would read it, as a dramatic story. In my reading, the voice of the snake was something of a comedian saying, What? What do you mean? It wasn't me. I didn't do it. And I saw people cracking up in the audience. I tried to make it fun because I felt like Genesis didn't have any place in the service on Christmas Eve, so I was a little resentful. I don't think it was quite the right intention for the evening, but... Maybe a bit of irreverence thrown in can lighten the mood, especially if you're going to start bringing back woman's original sin and all that dark stuff. Needless to say, I was not invited to read anymore after that. Oh, well. As the midnight mass service comes to its conclusion, the very last thing is always silent night, as probably it is in many churches. The candles are lit by one person passing candlelight to the next and to the next, with these little candles with paper under them so that they don't drip wax on you. And after everyone has a lit candle, they turn off the lights in the church, and everybody starts singing Silent Night. When it's done, you blow out your candles, and everybody just quietly gets up and walks out. And it's somehow magical. It's a beautiful way to kick off Christmas. As you leave the church, there's a unique opportunity to see and embrace neighbors that you might not have seen for a while. Perhaps kids who have gone off to college and are back home for the holidays and somehow agreed to come to church with their parents. Or maybe older neighbors who are back visiting whom you haven't seen in years. So there's a lot of warm and happy communal feeling outside the front of the church at the end of the evening. And it's midnight and perhaps there's a sprinkling of snow just coming down that portends a white Christmas. We stroll home arm in arm 
to, you know, go and build train sets or wrap last minute gifts. But that little encapsulated moment of delicious tradition is something that I treasure. I hope you all are enjoying your various holiday traditions. And I thank you so much for being here with me this year. And I look forward to another beautiful season with you all starting in January. I wish you peace and love and joy. Until next time. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please reach out with your thoughts and your comments. You can find me on Instagram at Diana the Bard or Facebook at Diana Green or on my website, bardofhudson.com, where you can listen to the podcast directly from there or leave comments. I would love to hear from you. And please check out my Patreon page for photos and videos and extra goodies that I don't share anywhere else. And wherever you're listening, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. It makes a huge difference and it helps other people to find the show. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye.